This is Edward Mazur, President Emeritus of the City Club of Chicago. Our speaker today was Illinois State Comptroller Susanna Mendoza. Susanna has been Comptroller of the State of Illinois since 2016. She's a former state rep, the first female city clerk of the city of Chicago, and a mother of a nine, soon-to-be, ten-year-old. She's a fervent advocate for the underserved, she said, especially in the areas of health care throughout the state of Illinois. Recently, she herself was isolated for five days with a mild case of COVID. This is actually Comptroller Mendoza's 11th appearance before the City Club of Chicago. And this time, she said, I bring very good news. Illinois is a better investment than ever, was the theme of her address. Six years ago, when she took office, she said Illinois was in terrible shape with $17 billion in payables that had to be addressed. Under Governor Rauner, she said the rainy day fund held less than $60,000. So which bills to pay became veritable life-or-death decisions. Now, she said, rating agencies have given the state of Illinois six full credit upgrades in less than one year. The working accounts payable is down to $1.7 billion from $16.7 billion. The Illinois Rainy Day Fund is over $1 billion for the first time ever as of August 11, 2022. The financial turnaround for the state of Illinois took over six years. She said, we refinanced our debt from 12% when she took office to 3.5% currently. Any extra revenues that the Comptroller's office can receive are targeted at paying down debt. She said, we are dedicated to minimizing putting the state debt not set aside for future generations. She's paying an extra $500 million into pension funds, and better credit ratings means better rates on bonds. She hopes to increase those figures in the coming uh, legislative session. The credit upgrades that the state of Illinois has received in the last year are the first in 20 years. Because of this fiscal watchdog approach, she said, Illinois is ready for growth spurts. More businesses, more residents in addition to more agriculture. She is dedicated and proud to be the fiscal watchdog for the state of Illinois. She concluded by saying, responsible financial planning is important as we move into the coming years. Today is my distinct privilege and uh, pleasure to introduce uh, our state controller, uh, uh, Susana Mendoza, who is here with us, who accepted to be our speaker for this luncheon. Um, I had a conversation with Susana just a little while ago, although she has a very impressive resume that all of you know. Uh, she told me, don't go through all of that. Uh, but I don't think that there isn't anything, anyone here in this room who doesn't know Susana Mendoza. And uh, we all know who she is. And uh, Susana was the first uh, city clerk and she held that position for about five years. To, uh, first woman. First woman. Let's, let's make that clear. Uh, 
And he uh, actually, after she left that office, she ran for controller and uh, has been our uh, state controller since uh, December 2016. Uh, and I don't want to say many things about Sus Susana Mendoza, but uh, I have had the privilege to work with her and her office. I run a safety net hospital in Humboldt Park, which used to be called Norwegian American Hospital, and today is called Humboldt Park Health. And as you know, there are no Norwegians in the community, so we decided to change the name uh, to reflect uh, the people who live there in that area. I'm just going to say a couple of things. Um, during the pandemic, uh, one of the uh, greater challenge that we had was uh, actually having cash flowed in our safety net hospitals. There are quite a few in the state and also uh, at the city, uh, in our city. And um, I need to say that uh, there wasn't one single time that I called Susana's office and uh, called her directly. She picked up the phone. She says, "What can I help? How can I help you?" And then she actually transferred me to Kevin, uh, her CFO. And then a few days, we will get uh, checks uh, to continue to keep the, the hospital open, providing care, and making payroll every single day. But let me say a couple of other things. Uh, since becoming controller, uh, uh, Susana Mendoza has transformed the office, shifting priority to the funding of nursing homes, hospice centers, uh, schools, and a state most vulnerable citizen during and since the state two-year budget impasse. And you remember those days when no bills was being paid. Uh, although the controller is charged with paying the state bills as they arrived, the budget crisis forced the office to prioritize which bills will be paid first. And one thing that she made commitment was to take care of the hospital, safety net hospital in our city who were taking care of people and who also employed thousands of people in, in the city uh, of Chicago. Uh, during this period, Mendoza became an advocate for a stability, comprehensive budget solutions, and open and transparent financial reporting winning accolades from agency that rate the state bonds. So uh, this is just a little bit of about who she is, what she has done, and how she has transformed uh, the state uh, uh, budget office. Uh, so I wanted to say, uh, Susana, uh, uh, thank you for everything you do. You have been a fervent uh, uh, advocate for uh, the underserved communities in our city. Uh, and we couldn't have a better leader than you uh, all alone. So with that, I want all of you to welcome Susana Mendoza today. Here, I'm going to check. Does my collar look okay? <laughs> yes? My, my husband's in the back checking it out. Yes. <laughs> Good. All right, got two thumbs up. That's good. Well, it's wonderful to see everybody. Thank you, Jose, for that uh, wonderful, really beautiful introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm sure you appreciate it that he did not go through my whole bio. <laughs> and thank you so much, Jackie, for the invitation. It's great to see everyone. And honestly, it's great to be here with all of you today. Wonderful to be COVID free. And I apologize for those of you who had to reschedule. Um, 
We take COVID very seriously in my house, um, given how much my brother, Joaquin, has suffered from it and continues to suffer from his bout. Um, I thankfully had a very, very mild case, uh, as mild as you could imagine without literally being asymptomatic, but I had to protect my family and everyone else, and that's why I had to isolate for five days, the hardest part of which was not being able to see or hug my little nine-year-old boy. And he did get taller in five days. It's crazy. Yeah. So listen, the point of the moral of the story here is I encourage everybody to stay vaxxed, um, up to date on their boosters so that you too, if God forbid you catch it, it, you suffer zero serious complications. Now I want to start by recognizing my husband, David, who was seated at the main table until I had to go give my speech. And now he's in the back manning the camera. He does it all. Um, but he's here today. This is, I've been coming to the city club now, uh, for many years. Uh, he started coming with me after we got engaged. And we're now going on 11 years of being married and 11 years probably of city club speeches. But I clearly could not do the important work that I do and do it to the best of my ability in the best way possible if it wasn't for David's unwavering support. So thank you so much, honey. You are truly the unsung hero in all of this great stuff happening. Now, the big question is, of course, which of us is going to get to keep the City Club mug today? (laughs) Nothing better than a good cup of coffee, right, in a City Club mug. And there's a saying, and it goes something along the lines of, what's yours is mine. And what's mine is mine. Right, honey? Just kidding. We do share everything together, including our really cool City Club mugs. So um, I'd also like to start by recognizing my amazing staff from the controller's office. Um, Many, I shouldn't say many because we have like over 200 employees, but I will say this about the controller's office, all of them. We literally have the best group of state employees Period. The best team in state government. Some of them are here today. So you guys, I want you, if you're from the controller's office, please stand up. If you're not, you can pretend you are because you're very cool. And show them some love because these folks are amazing. Now, this is not the first time that I've uh, been able to speak with you, but this is the most excited I've ever been to speak with you because of all the good news I have to share about where Illinois is positioned financially, my office's key role in all of that, and why Illinois is a better investment than ever. Do you remember nearly six years ago, a few months after I was sworn in as controller, I came here to the City Club to tell you just how bad things were looking for Illinois. Illinois' backlog of unpaid bills was approaching a record 17 billion, with a B, billion dollars. State vendors were waiting, on average, about nine and a half months to get paid. The state's vulnerable suffered, jobs stalled, workers went without health care, or they had to pay out of pocket for their expenses. In the middle of the best bull market of our lifetimes, when other states were fortifying their rainy day funds, our former governor was emptying the fund to less than $60,000. There's more of the money than that in this room. That's, we had less than $60,000 in our rainy day fund. That's not enough to run Illinois state operations for even 30 seconds. 
Now, I was put in a position that no controller should ever have to face. Deciding which of the state's bills I could pay meant literally having to make life or death decisions. When I walked into office, I found nursing homes and hospice centers, as Jose mentioned briefly. They were unconscionably waiting six months or more to be paid, while potentially, I should say, while politically connected, IT consultants were on speed pay. Now, I immediately switched that around. I told you at the time six years ago that I felt a little bit like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, having to tell state vendors at the time, I know you're owed this money. I know it belongs to you, but I can't give you everything I owe you. How much can I give you that will be enough for you to be able to get by for just a few more weeks? Well, the good news I'm here to tell you all today is that despite former Governor Potter's best efforts, (laughs) Bedford Falls is back. Yes. Now, you think you need to take my word for that? No. You can listen to the rating agencies, Moody's, Standard & Poor's, Fitch. Remember when I told you that I would not stop or be satisfied until Illinois was getting credit upgrades? Well, guess what? Those rating agencies have given us not one, two, three, four, or even five, but six full credit upgrades in less than a year. And did I mention in the middle of a global pandemic, there is nothing we can't do in the state of Illinois. Now, let me ask you this. Know how many other states got six upgrades? None. Zero. A big fat zero. And where is that $16.7 billion backlog of unpaid bills? It's gone. We now have a working accounts payable that floats between two and three billion dollars. In fact, it was down to $1.7 billion, as you can see, at the end of August. 1.7 1.7 down from 16.7 billion. It's remarkable. Now, state vendors and social and human service providers who used to have to wait nine months to get paid, how long are they waiting now? The oldest general funds bill in my office today is only a whopping seven days old, down from a crippling 210 business days. Really easy graph here, right? 210 days, bad. Seven days? Awesome! Yes. Now, the rainy day fund that the previous governor had emptied, I just deposited $180 million last month, bringing the total to more than $1 billion for the first time ever. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. That's, who's doing my slides? That is not the right slide. Not $1 million, but $1 billion. Yes, that's much better. Thank you. That's, that's much better. Now, sometimes when you're in the middle of big changes, you see them happen incrementally and you don't really appreciate the magnitude of them. Like the proverbial frog in the pot of water who doesn't realize it's boiling because the temperature was so slowly increased. Only this time, those changes are no longer life and death. We're on the upswing. So let's step back and appreciate what a big deal this truly is. Do you remember the story I told you of Mary? Some of you may not, but you'll get it anyway here. She's a downstate woman who contacted me on December 5th. 
the day I was being sworn in as controller and told me that the state was about to cut off her medical insurance, which would have literally killed her. I was so inspired when I went down to visit Mary in person in the Metro East. Her beautiful artwork that she had painted back when she had use of her hands told the story of an incredibly resilient and creative, super intelligent woman. About the only movement that Mary has left is moving her head just a little bit. And that's how she was able to send me the email that day. A reflective sticker placed on her forehead that allowed her to compose email messages. Mary was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy at the age of four and needs constant care. The state was over six months late in paying her health care bills. Her health care was going to be cut off on December 22nd, three days before Christmas. Mary depends on her state insurance to live. Cutting off her help would clearly have fatal consequences for her. She's immobilized by her illness and unable to breathe without a ventilator. Mary asked me if I'd advocate for her to help her live, literally to live. I said yes, and not just for her, but for as many Marys as I possibly can, especially those who could not communicate with me the way Mary was able to. Now, Mary's story was such an eye-opener for me about how the state was abandoning its responsibilities to our most vulnerable. Her will to live filled me with the energy I needed to attack the problems Illinois was suffering from so that our state's most vulnerable would not continue to suffer. Illinois' financial turnaround, it's been six years in the making. As soon as I took office in December of 2016, I got to work methodically chipping away at the state's backlog of unpaid bills. Let me tell you how we did it. In 2017, I traveled the state speaking to civic groups, Lawrence, you were one of them, and editorial boards to put pressure on Governor Rauner to refinance that $16.7 billion mountain of unpaid bills that he ran up. Now, taxpayers were stuck paying 12% interest on most of that debt, 12% on almost $17 billion. Not paying those bills was costing state taxpayers $2 million a day in interest payments. This is simple math. Just show of hands here. How many of you own homes? That's it? Okay. All right. That's a lot. If you were paying 12% interest on your mortgage, right, and someone offered you to refinance that down to 3.5%, how many of you would take the deal? <laughs> of course you would, right? It's not rocket science. And after Governor Rauner got enough heat from reporters and editorial boards about why he wasn't doing the refinancing I insisted we do, he finally capitulated. We refinanced $6 billion of that debt and got an interest rate of 3.5% instead of that brutal 12%. That was a great deal for taxpayers. It's going to save taxpayers between 4 and $6 billion in late payments. Uh, these would be late interest penalties, I should say, over the course of that deal that they otherwise would have been on the hook for. But I didn't stop there. I looked for every federal matching dollar I could find in strategically paying down the bills that we had left. For instance, when I pay Medicaid bills, I get an extra 50 cents back on the dollar. 
So by stretching the value of $1 by an extra 50 cents, I was able to turn $6 billion into $9 billion of debt payment, right? So again, not rocket science, but you have to be strategic and methodical about this. So we took $9 billion off the top. And whenever, whenever I get extra revenues coming in, I target them toward paying down debt. That's the fiscally responsible approach that I live by every single day. Now take a look at this chart and see the slow, sure, steady progress that my office has made in paying down the state's bills since I became your controller. It's kind of an eye-opening chart. It tells the story, right? You see where we were? The, the light blue that you see there is the effects of the, the initial tranche of federal matches of the, of the bond proceeds, right? You see it go from 16.7 to 9.2. And over the next several months, you're going to see it go down even further because we, we keep recycling that 50 cent uh, Medicaid match or whatever match we can get until we were down to then 7.2, even before 2019. And then it, you just see, it's all good news. The same methodical approach today, the end of August here, we were at $1.7 billion. So recently, I was getting ready for the Illinois State uh, Fair Twilight Parade in Springfield. I don't know if any of you have ever been to that, but it's a lot of fun. It was a beautiful day, but just as we were starting the route um, with me sitting on the back of a really sweet convertible, by the way, the skies opened up and it downpoured. I mean, it came down hard. Well, I'm not one to let a little rain, even a torrential downpour, uh, ruin my parade. So I grabbed my handy dandy umbrella, always at the ready, and away we went. Now, one of the parade attendees said about the umbrella, hey, no fair, that's cheating, as they were, of course, soaking wet, right? But I said, hey, this isn't cheating. This is being prepared, right? Am I right? Now, the rain was brief, thankfully, and I stayed dry, and I had an awesome time. And as I mentioned earlier, last month, I deposited the final payment of $180 million into the state's rainy day fund, bringing the balance to a record level of more than $1 billion, the highest balance on the fund, also called the Budget Stabilization Fund, ever to date. I mean, this is a big deal. I've been a very vocal advocate for replenishing the rainy day fund, which serves as the state's main savings account, our reserves, our emergency fund, whatever you want to call it. It had been decimated during the 2015 to 17 state budget impasse. And in April 2018, the reserve stood at less than $50,000. So now we're saving today to invest in tomorrow. This latest infusion proves that we are prioritizing paying down our debts, addressing the pension shortfall, and not putting the problems of yesterday on the backs of future generations. The appropriation was supported by Governor J.B. Pritzker and approved by the Illinois General Assembly earlier this year. With higher than anticipated revenues for the prior fiscal year, not only did the General Assembly and the governor approve of a $1.8 billion tax relief plan for taxpayers, but they also, this is the key, they resisted the temptation to spend, as this $1 billion in the state's rainy day fund makes clear. This is historic the state's highest level for this account ever. The most recent budget also includes paying an extra $500 million into the pension stabilization fund, something never done before. Again, historic. 
Yes. And that extra $500 million will lower pension debt liabilities by an estimated $1.8 billion. Starting next fiscal year, the legislature has agreed to put in an additional $45 million into the rainy day fund annually. It's great news, but it's not enough. I'll get to that later. Building a robust emergency reserve account is super important, and it's responsible. It's responsible to Illinois providers and vendors. It is responsible to the legislators who pass a budget fully expecting that the programs and services that they are providing for will be implemented. It's responsible to those who depend on these services, whether it's for education, health care, social, or human services. And it's responsible to the taxpayers, because not only are we choosing to not spend everything that comes in, but we're saving for a rainy day. And the credit rating agencies agree. They cited the state's infusion into reserves as one of their reasons for the recent upgrades. Better credit means better rates on bonds. And that means more savings for taxpayers and better finances for the state overall. While these welcomed infusions into the Rainy Day Fund and the Pension Stabilization Fund are certainly a great boost, I will keep working for more regular automatic deposits into these funds during strong economies. During the fall veto session, I'm asking the General Assembly to take up House Bill 4118, sponsored by State Representative Michael Halpin. The proposal would require additional annual contributions to both the Rainy Day Fund and the Pension Stabilization Fund. Further saving and paying down our debts when the state can afford it will better prepare us for the next fiscal downturn or crisis, such as a recession, through no fault. This could come through no fault of our own. It's the state's umbrella at the ready when we need it. Just like that. So we can continue to provide for our most vulnerable and pay vendors what they are owed on time, no matter when the skies might decide to open up. Remember, it's not cheating. It's being prepared. So in the face of all that great news, how did the critics say that good news is not good news? Well, they try to dismiss the six years of work as only the result of the federal stimulus. The Biden bucks. Not true. I really do appreciate it. Truly, I do from the bottom of my heart. All the hard work that Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth and the whole entire Democratic Illinois delegation did in securing the federal stimulus dollars that were really critically needed to cover COVID expenses in Illinois and the other 49 states. But no, the stimulus did not save Illinois. As you've seen, Illinois already saved itself. Thanks to all of us. Me, Governor Pritzker the General Assembly, all of us working together to pay down our bills. Saying the only thing that saved Illinois was the federal stimulus is like saying that the only reason you all came to the City Club at Maggiano's today was for those really delicious lemon cookies that they served. (laughs) I mean, they're really good, but you would have come here anyway. Yes, so true, so true. Now, to show you that the stimulus funds did not, in fact, drive down the state's turnaround, right? They did not drive the state's turnaround. Let me walk you through a calendar of what happened over the last year. April 28th of 2021, more than a year ago, 
I had paid down the backlog of bills to $3.5 billion, shrunk the bill payment cycle to 15 days, and I wrote the credit rating agencies asking for our first upgrade. And you may have already forgotten, but this is a big deal because just four years earlier, five years, yeah, four years earlier, I guess, I had a $17 billion bill backlog to get us to this point. This is a huge deal. April 28th of 2021. On June 29th of last year, Moody's Investors Service gave us our very first credit upgrade in more than 20 years. Yes. <laughs> Woohoo! I just want to say June 29th is like a holiday in my household, okay? On July 1st, 2021, the beginning of our fiscal year, I paid the backlog down to less than $3 billion, which at the time seemed like the greatest miracle on earth, okay? I wrote the rating agencies again that day, asking for additional upgrades. Why? Because we deserved them. Heck yeah, we did. Now, guess what? We earned another one on July 8th. See? 28, 29, 1, 8. As you can tell, all of that happened before the federal stimulus even and finally got to Illinois on July 22nd of 2021. It is. And I bet a bunch of people, Jackie said that's amazing. And yeah, amen, sister. It is amazing. And I bet a lot of people in here, even though you've probably heard me talk about this a million times, might still think or have thought, oh, well, of course, Illinois is doing better. All that COVID money. Now you know. You know. I'm happy to report that the recovery came before the federal ARPA stimulus funds made it to Illinois. And COVID and or federal uh, ARPA stimulus funds were not used to pay down the state's bill backlog. The billions of COVID-19 and ARPA federal stimulus funds were absolutely critically necessary for COVID-related expenses. And the General Assembly targeted those funds to important COVID-related expenses like PPP, uh, PP, um, the PPE, I should say, mental health, and suicide prevention programs. In fact, you can track how every single penny has been spent down to the individual PPE glove by visiting my COVID-19 spending transparency portal on my website. We track every single bill, every single penny, as I said, down to the glove or the mask. It's been nationally recognized as the gold standard in the country in COVID transparency portals, which, by the way, I am super proud of that. Illinois number one, baby. (laughs) Now, you remember all the naysayers um, who, for years... uh, concocted this exodus from Illinois, invest in U-Haul. But then the census came out, and wouldn't you know it, wrong, that's all been false. Illinois has held its own. Here in Illinois, we are using a responsible and disciplined approach. As mentioned earlier, saving today to invest in tomorrow. Improving our finances means that we are spurring investment and job growth in every region of the state. I mean, all this hard work that I've been doing as your controller to fix the state's finances, it's to get Illinois ready for its growth spurt. And we are. We're ready. We're not just growing corn, but jobs. We want to be the state people look at when they consider how to grow their business, their wealth, and their families. This agriculturally rich state has plenty of space for more businesses and residents to plant their roots. We are visionaries. We want to have an eye for what can be. How? Through 
stability and predictability for the business community, for nonprofits, for institutions of higher learning. And don't forget our freedoms. In Illinois, we are committed to making healthcare for women accessible. We planned for the unfortunate and egregious unraveling of the rights afforded via Roe v. Wade. And we're ready to stand up for Illinois women and women across this country. Women are increasingly gaining parity in the workforce and executive positions, and that's really great. But while it's nice that some businesses in anti-choice states are willing to pay for women to travel for abortion care in states that do provide it, what about privacy? Let me let you in on a little secret. Women in need of abortions don't want to tell their bosses. So if you lead a business or a corporation that's not already in Illinois, you truly, if you truly want to support your female workforce, well, here's what I'd say to you. Relocate your headquarters in Illinois. We welcome you with open arms. Not only are we committed to civil and human rights here, I mean, remember, this is the state, Illinois, where we passed equal marriage laws statewide before same-sex marriage was recognized federally. We are also the land of no rolling blackouts, no hurricanes. We're not going to fall into the the, um, ocean or even Lake Michigan. I mean, it's not going to happen. We passed CEJA, and we're committed to clean energy. We are the nation's central hub of transportation, intermodal, roads, bridges, waterways. We offer it all here in Illinois. We are the only state in the nation with all seven major railroads. Meanwhile, you have a controller in Illinois who pays bills faster than the private sector. So when people say you should run government like a business, I say, how about we run it better than a business? That's what I've proven we can do here in the state of Illinois. Now, Illinois is the beating heart of this nation, from the bustling streets of Chicago to the expansive farmland of rural Illinois to southern Illinois towns like Cairo, where we're fighting to get that new Riverport project built. We are full of grit and tenacity, and we get things done when we all pull together. I know there are public public servants on both sides of the aisle working their hardest to make this state better for everyone and for businesses. Ever since my first days in the legislature, and I spent 10 years there, I've been prideful about getting folks of all political stripes to pull for the same goal. I know my friend Tom Cross, where are you, Tom, is right there. And we were talking before this speech about I miss those days of just as a Democrat being able to walk into literally his private quarters behind the chamber and talk about working on issues together. That's how it used to be. And honestly, it's time that we get back to working together. It truly is. You know, if enough of us uh, together reject what's wrong, and more importantly, stand up for what's right, we'll keep succeeding. We can do this. And part of that requires your help. We must change the stories we tell about Illinois. Now, reporter Dan Vock wrote about that in this story for Route 50. How after all the struggles we've been through, it can be hard. I get it. It can be hard for a skeptical public to see that we're in increasingly better shape. Chris Mooney, a political science professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago, said it really well, I think. He said, bad news is more attention-grabbing than good news. So if the budget is crashing and burning... People are paying more attention to that. 
than if the state increases its rainy day fund. Now, we must learn to be our own best cheerleaders. Not braggarts, although I do brag a little bit, but I feel like I've earned it, you know? Totally. I'm going to brag all I want, but whatever. I'm trying to be nice and polite here. Let's not be braggarts. Leave that to me. (laughs) But let's be good cheerleaders. We want to be a team that is proud of what it accomplishes when it works together. It's time to talk about what we have accomplished in recent years. How even during a global pandemic, even while recovering from the budget impasse, we are rising. No hell holes here. And certainly not at the John Hancock building. We are mid-renewal, folks, and these changes will position us to better address the social fissures that became so clear during the budget impasse and then the pandemic. It's time to really get to work addressing gaps in areas like childcare, education, housing, employment, public safety, mental health, and healthcare in general. We all know we can do better, and we all know that a dollar invested in early intervention today saves us needless economic costs later down the line, costs that, by the way, also equal human suffering. We must build on this forward momentum. We must continue to envision a better future for our children and for the most vulnerable among us. I see my role as controller as being the chief accountability officer and the fiscal watchdog for Illinois. It's part of the reason why I'm so insistent about replenishing the rainy day and the pension stabilization funds. And it's not just me saying that robust rainy day funds are important. It's the National Conference of State Legislatures. It's the Pew Research Center, both of which are nonpartisan, I might add. And it's the credit rating agencies, which, as I mentioned earlier, cited the money that we're putting into reserves as part of their recent decisions for rating upgrades in the state. We must continue to prove that we are responsible financial stewards. Our children should not have to shoulder the burden of a lack of planning. That's why House Bill 4118, my rainy day bill, that's what it signifies. I'd like everyone in this room and watching at home to join Representative Halpin and me. Join us both, please, in this effort to strengthen our rainy day and pension stabilization funds. Join me in continuing our strong financial momentum. Ask your state legislators to sign on as co-sponsors. They should be proud to sign on to something like this. Let's keep assuring the investor community that Illinois is budgeting responsibly and remains a sound investment. There are no ribbon cuttings. Here's the deal. There are no ribbon cuttings when it comes to savings. So it's not a popular thing to do. I get it. But... It's the smart financial planning today that will result in the ribbon cuttings of the future. New businesses, Illinois restoring its position as a huge economic powerhouse and making our official state bird the crane. What? No, not not, not that one. The crane. That crane. Yes, that crane. It's beautiful, and I'd love to see it all over our beautiful state. So now, my favorite part of the program, I want to hear what's on your mind, and I want to thank you for being such an attentive audience and for inviting me here today. Look forward to your questions. Yeah, Brady, that crane's Sure. Thank you. Not only do we not have bottled water for our speaker, 
really, my Janice is out of water, bottled water. But we also, it is, isn't it terrible? But the other part of it is, you guys might have to fight over your old mugs because we don't have any. <laughs> what? What is, I'm not coming here anymore. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. We're having a real issue. I think I'm you. The glass with <laughs> we are having a supplier. Imagine that supply chain issues, but we are having an issue getting our clear mugs. So somebody, I think Amanda is working on getting us some clear mugs made in America. That's one of our stipulations. So let me, let me fix this because it's sticking straight up. See, that's when a sister helps you out, right? I'm having a bad hair day, and so, thank you so much. So, I don't know how your office does it. I thought I was an eternal optimist. Yeah, you've got me beat. <laughs> and I've known you for like 15 years. But she's totally, you guys have to come to work loving it every day, don't you? Just shake your head and say yes. Even Right, okay. So thank you so much. This is such good information. And I literally was sitting there saying, amazing. Because although I've known you for years, just hearing the work that you've done is, I mean, you've done the hard work. And she's always done the hard work. Um, I don't know if you remember the time that you were riding your bike down. Was it LaSalle Street you were riding your bike down? And I almost, we almost had a little, do you remember that we had a little, I was walking, I was walking. Water under the bridge. Yeah. Sorry. It was, you know, but so um, this is great work. Lots of progress. Um, Let's just get right in with the question. Stella says, when are we getting the rebates? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So thank you for that question, Stella. That's an uh, easy one to answer because I just had a press conference yesterday about it, or two days ago. I think I, I lost track of time. But we, we they started going out on September 12th, so I think that was Monday, and it's going to take us about six to eight weeks. We're sending out approximately six... Um, Six million rebates to, well, six million taxpayers will be getting them. And it will take us six to eight weeks to put it in context as to why that's literally the fastest it can happen. Um, three, six million rebates is the equivalent of what it would take us to do in a year in payments. So we're being asked to do a year's worth of work in a six to eight week period. So I want to make sure we get it done correctly and it's going to go out as quickly as possible. But there are already some of them already out the door or in people's uh, uh, automatic, uh, you know, deposits. So, yeah, just keep an eye out for it. All right. If you filed electronically before, our first attempt will be to send it to your bank account. If it, you change your bank account in the interim, it'll bounce back to us and we'll send it to you in a check. Anybody have theirs already? Oh, all right, one. cool. We got one. Cool. One in the door. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> you're at one hundred percent right now. So Joey Schoenfeld, are you here from Scientech? No. Oh, I bored him. He left already. Well, you know, I don't normally ask questions when people aren't here, but this is a pretty good one. So it's kind of a fun question. What film, theatrical presentation, book, and or television show reminds you most of our state? <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh... It's the question, really. It's the question. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to say Mary Poppins. <laughs> yep. She came in, cleaned it all up. The house was in dysfunction. She pulled out her umbrella and knocked it out. Oh, I had to get all the kids in order, too, you know? That's right. You got to get all the kids in order. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. You guys didn't watch Mary Poppins? Oh, that's too bad. You guys should watch it if you have not. 
So Jim Jimmery, that's right. Um, John Diggles, are you here? I'm here. Hey, John. But she's kind of answered your question. Do you want me to ask it again just for the heck of it? I had to submit it two months ago, so Oh, well, you know, but she was sick. She got to take some time off. So, you know, you had to sit down for a minute. You've already answered the question. It's about the rainy day fund. Yeah, so. it's about rainy day fund. We have a lot more money in it. <laughs> but but let me put this in context. I didn't get into like because this feature is already long enough. But we have about um, one billion thirty nine million. Uh, is that the exact number, Kevin? Did we put a little more in this week? But our report comes out today. I believe it's like one billion thirty nine million versus the less than sixty thousand right that I inherited, which is a tremendous turnaround. And that might sound like a lot of money. But the reason I'm so passionate about continuing to save in the rainy day fund and further strengthen pension stabilization is because your average state in the nation has about 35 days worth of reserves, right? So even a billion dollars sounds like a lot, but that's about a week's worth of reserves. So I'm not going to feel comfortable until we're at about seven and a half percent in reserves, which would get us about three and a quarter uh, billion. It sounds like a lot of money, but Really, that money needs to be there in case of another economic collapse through no fault of our own and to ensure that the budget that was put in place, which is a moral document, that the controller is able to uh, utilize important reserves during a, a fiscal calamity or an emergency. And that would allow me to keep the vendor payment cycle hopefully within 30 days or, or certainly under 60 and manageable under a worst case scenario. So three and a quarter is still not 35 days worth, but certainly a lot more than we've ever had. And if I could do miracles with what I've done so far, I, I feel good with three and a quarter. Wow. And I also want to thank your staff. That portal is amazing. Um, the, the, the accountability and the <clears throat> transparency that you display there is, it's just amazing. I was watching some of the finance guys in the room and they were like, yep, yep, yep. So that tells me I watch them because I don't, you know, they don't let me mess with the money at work. So, um, this has been amazing. I, we don't have any more questions. I don't know why. Maybe because she was so thorough. Um, is that why? That was your opportunity again to say, yep. Yeah. yeah, they must be completely enthralled with you. 